As the United States' first unified border entity, Customs and Border Protection is charged with keeping terrorists and their weapons out of the U.S., combating transnational crime, securing the border, facilitating lawful trade and protecting revenue, and the facilitation of lawful travel at ports of entry. Border security takes place at airports, seaports, land border crossings, through rugged terrain between ports of entry, in the air, on the water, and even through partnerships all around the world. CBP's three offices of Field Operations, Border Patrol, and Air and Marine Operations represent America's largest federal law enforcement agency. Today we'll focus on just one of CBP's components, Border Patrol, with the help of Russ Iser, Special Operations Supervisor at Buffalo Sector Border Patrol. Mr. Iser is the perfect subject matter expert for this episode. Having spent the first several years of his career stationed on the southern border in New Mexico before eventually transferring up to Buffalo Sector, he has a wealth of experience working both border environments. You could say the Border Patrol unofficially began as far back as 1904 with the horse-mounted watchmen of the U.S. Immigration Service that patrolled the southwest border from El Paso, Texas to California. Usually called Mounted Guards, they only totaled about 75 in those days. But on January 16, 1920, the 18th Amendment went into effect, prohibiting the importation, transport, manufacture, or sale of alcoholic beverages. Suddenly, overnight, there was a lot of money to be made smuggling booze across the border. Alcohol smuggling, cigarette smuggling, stuff like that. I know that was a big thing up on the northern border. On May 28, 1924, Congress passed the Labor Appropriation Act, officially establishing the U.S. Border Patrol for the purpose of securing the borders between inspection stations. Prohibition ended in 1933. Though the mission would change slightly over the years, the workload and accomplishments of the patrol would remain constant. One of our bigger years was the war years, you know, World War II and stuff like that. A lot of our guys went to war. Um, the ones that hung around ended up hooking up with Coast Guard, doing coastal surveillance, looking for, you know, spy submarines. And I think 80s and 90s was when immigration became a, a huge issue. I think increased manpower around that time along the, the southern border was a, a big push. Um, that's when we started coming up with technology like infrared night vision, seismic sensors, you know, computers were coming around. Nobody, everybody was doing everything in pencil, but uh, now we could actually use computers. And then, you know, later on, once we started dealing with that problem, of course, 9-11 uh, happened and our focus turned toward, you know, terrorism and, you know, weapons of mass destruction and, you know, really, really vetting people who, who came across and doing background stuff like that. And that's when our, I think, intel departments and, you know, target enforcement units really started picking up, you know, trying to figure out who was who and, and where they come from and how they get here. Since 9-11, detection, apprehension, and uh, deterrence of terrorists and terrorist weapons, that's kind of been um, our main mission. Um, but the mission to detect and prevent illegal entry of aliens and contraband in the United States has been the same since 1924. So if you ask a lot of agents, you know, well, what's the mission now? It hasn't changed. It's the same since 1924. So, I mean, how we do that mission has changed. Um, the tools we use to do that mission has changed. Um, the advancements in technology and, you know, all the infrastructure and, you know, cameras and drones and, you know, that's changed. 
but the, the core mission hasn't changed at all. Those that make it through the hiring process and enter on duty as a Border Patrol agent find there are no shortages of specialized teams or units they can become a part of. Whether they want to work with horses, ride ATVs, bikes, boats, work on intelligence gathering, and much more, there are many opportunities to do different things in one's career. For the few that have what it takes and get selected, Border Patrol has two highly trained teams, BORTAC, which stands for Border Patrol Tactical Unit, and the Border Patrol Search, Trauma, and Rescue Unit, or BORSTAR. BORTAC is kind of our, more of a tactical team. That's, um, that's kind of our SWAT team. BORSTAR, almost the same thing, but they tend to be medically oriented. They're search and rescue. Um, they're almost all EMTs. You know, that's, that's who you want there when you get hurt. But those guys are all over the world. Um, we're, we have a couple guys here in sector, actually we have uh, multiple within Buffalo sector, within the six stations. And um, those guys, some of them have done uh, their time down in SOG in El Paso, which is Special Operations Group. And they've been all over the world. And a lot of that is mobile training to foreign nationals, foreign governments, you know, standing up their, their border security units, teaching, teaching them how to, you know, hey, this is how you secure your border, or this is how you manage your people, you know, from and administrative too. Hey, this is how you track things. This is how you need to report things or you know keep track of things. So um, that's a huge mission for the Border Patrol. Every year, Border Patrol conducts hundreds of rescues, especially along the southwest border. Migrants run out of water, get lost, and some end up abandoned by their guides left to fend for themselves or die. Agents from both BORTAC and BORSTAR perform many of these rescues every year. Over 5,000 rescues happened in fiscal year 2020. And as of August of fiscal year 2021, that number is well over 11,000. Yeah, tons, tons of rescues. Um, one of our agents actually, he's deployed now south and he wasn't there a couple weeks and he delivered a baby. He's well-trained, he has, actually is BORTAC but he has EMT training, so he's able to you know, help maybe save the life of a baby and a mom. Rescues all the time, they were always hurt. I think almost every group we would come upon, you know, we're there to apprehend them, we're there to stop them from making a legal entry. But as soon as we have custody and we feel safe, it usually turns into you know, a medical situation. They're dehydrated, um, somebody in the group got hurt, or they're like, hey, we lost a guy you know, yesterday in the mountains, you know, and we're like, okay, well now it's a search and rescue mission. As you can imagine, there are some pretty big differences between patrolling the northern and southern borders. Russ explains. So southern border, uh, your typical day is you show up to work, um, you go to muster, you find out what's going on in the field, and if there's nothing really immediately going on, you go out, you start patrolling, and usually, you know, it's very arid area, huge mountains, uh, very little roads to get to. Um, you cut for sign, which is looking for tracks, you know, evidence of ground disturbance. So you're just kind of driving around, see what you can find, responding to sensors. Um, and if you find something, you know, you pull over, you throw on your camel back, and you start tracking. And you could be doing that for the next 10, 20 hours. <laughs> so that, that's a typical day down south. At least it was for me. And, you know, from my understanding, it really hasn't changed that much. Uh, some of the tools they're using have changed, but that's, that's, that's usually, the, you know, your typical day. Um, northern border, when I first got up here, 
in 2010. Um, I wasn't sure exactly what to do because it was cold. I got up here right before winter, and by the time we got settled with the family, it was cold and snowing, and you need different gear. You need your cold weather gear up here, and you can't just get out and run around in your T-shirt all the time. But up here is very intel-driven, so up here we're getting Middle East, you know, China, Japanese, you know, all, all the European countries that are just like, it's a lot of administrative work. Um, how'd you get here? You know, what's your purpose for being here? You know, all that stuff. But it's very intel driven. A lot of the stuff we do um, is kind of filtered through our intel department, which we have here at Sector. Um, they're running checks. They're you know they're developing targets. Um, a lot of our stuff is from OA calls, which is other agencies. So the local PDs, the state PDs, um, even uh, even the other federal agencies, they run into stuff and they're just not sure what they have. So they'll reach out to us. And we'll figure out, hey, you know, what's going on with this guy? Where's he from? How did he get here? Who's he related to? Is there a terrorist connection? So I'd say the, the administrative load up here is, is huge. And um, I'm also not used to just a full marine environment. You know, the border is completely water up here in the Buffalo sector area. It can get dangerous with the currents in certain areas. I'd be out there and there's just fishermen. There's, you know, there's just those charters, the charter guys that are out there chartering all these fishing boats and pleasure boats and jet skis. And then there's the, you know, the, the whirlpool boats that are giving rides to citizens coming down, maybe the mist. You know, all this traffic is out there and you're like, is one of these not supposed to be here? You know, which one of these is not like the other? <laughs> Trying to figure it out. It's a, it's a different animal up here, that's for sure. Russ talked a bit about the public's perception of the Border Patrol, how it can differ from place to place, and how some of the negative feelings towards the patrol are based on misconceptions. Um, I'm used to being on the southern border and people not really liking me. I remember driving around getting you know, flipped off and angry faces because I arrested a family member up here. When I first got up here, I remember I was driving around and people were like, people were like nice to me. <laughs> and I was like, and like wave, and some would thank me for what I did. I'm like, wow. Man, I think there's a lot of misconceptions. And I've, I, I handle a lot of the public media stuff. And, and I've done immigration panels here locally for colleges. Um, I recently did one. And, and I'm talking, I'm up there on the panel with professors and, you know, immigration attorneys and foreign policy, or, you know, advisors. I sit there, and at first I'm a little nervous when I get there because I'm like, oh, these... These are academics. You know, these guys spend all their time studying this stuff. You know, and I'm just, I'm just a PA, right? Um, but after about five minutes, I realized, wow, you know, they really don't know what's going on. You know, they really have no idea what's going on on the border. They really don't understand how the whole system works. Um, and half the time, they don't really know what I do. They're like, oh, he works, you know, Customs and Border Protection. You know, he works at the Buffalo Bridge. You know. <laughs> no, Border Patrol doesn't work at bridges or ports of entry. You know, that's, I'd say that's the biggest misconception in this area for us, you know, is that they confuse us, you know, not, not sure who is who. But I think the, the biggest misconception is, is just misinformation and lack of knowledge. I mean, after I, after I talk for a while, they're like, wow, really, it's like that? I'm like, yeah. I think the last one I did, I came away a little upset because they didn't ask me a lot of questions on like how it works. They just assumed and you could tell they were just pulling from from whatever they got from social media, 
or you know whatever they got from their from the news they would just say things that were incorrect but say them as fact and i'm sitting there and they didn't ask me hey is this true does do these things happen they wouldn't ask that and i'd, be, I'd jump in I'm like listen that's not how it works you know this is how a day in the life of an agent works i can't count how many times i gave my lunch away in the field after i caught a group you know and just went hungry that day until i got home and could eat dinner but you know very compassionate agents you know, 99.9% are solid, just normal people. And I, they, I feel like I, when I was in that interview, I, I felt like, man, these people think we're grown in factories and we're different and you know, we're not the same as everybody else. And I was like, man, I feel like I'm not even human in this interview. You know, I felt really uncomfortable. And I tried to explain who we are, what we do. And a lot of the, a lot of the like, the hardships that agents go through, you know, the things we see down the southern border, you know, babies, people dying, um, you know, the cartel taking advantage of all these people. So they just go by what they see on the news or they go by what, you know, they got off their social media platform. Russ talked about their public relations efforts and the importance of the relationship with the local communities and the role the community can play in border security. Hey, um, you live on the border. You're part of you know, border security is national security, you're there. You know, your eyes are always there, you're in your backyard, you see things, um, you know what's normal, what's not normal. Um, when you see what's not normal, give us a call. You know, we'll, we'll check it and we'll, we'll see what it is. Um, it may be nothing, but better safe than sorry. Um, and then a lot, of the, a lot of rescues or humanitarian efforts come from that too. You know, we can, if there's somebody out there that's in trouble, uh, people need to be reporting it. You know, we help out the Coast Guard a lot, we work real close with them. Yeah, uh, border security up here is is very public facing, I would call it. So our external comms to, to the public is, man, help us keep a lookout. You're right there on the border. Your land's right there, your backyard's right there. Um, the manpower up here isn't what it is down south. So we're doing what we can. We got boats out there and stuff like that, but we're always looking for you know that local help. If you want to report suspicious activity, Buffalo Sector Border Patrol has a phone number for that. 1-800-331-0353, and that will connect you to the United States Border Patrol Buffalo Sector. Thanks for listening. Follow us for future episodes of CBP Cross Border Podcast, Northern Border, New York.